Welcome to Temple Baptist Church this morning. I hope you're awake and, and, and ready to, to hear from God, ready to, to, to spend some time in His Word. Uh, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning, if you will. Uh, I know a lot of you like to take notes and, and, and all of that kind of thing, but if taking notes, if taking notes uh, uh, distracts you from, from the Word, uh, I, I want you to don't worry about taking notes this week. Uh, I'm going to provide all of them for you. Uh, matter of fact, Dustin made me a little card here to read. Uh, the outlines The outlines are available on the website at templebaptistcoleman.com COVID-19. If you'll go to that part of the website uh, and click on the outline tab, you can have the outline right there and print it off for yourself. Uh, also, uh, the outlines are available on the app, on our phone app, by clicking on the COVID-19 button at the bottom. And then selecting the outlines. And, and this is why I'm saying this. Uh, we're going to go to a lot of scripture today. And, uh, and I, 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 I've got a lot of information that I want to give you. And, and I don't want you to be distracted. Uh, this is a really, really serious message this morning. And uh, uh, I have spent a lot of time on this. And I, I really want you to pay attention. I want you to be able to get and, 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 and really focus on what we're teaching about today. Uh, we're going to stay in uh, the theme of resurrection. Uh, last week we learned that Jesus was resurrected. Uh, his body went in the ground and his body came back out of the ground. There was a bodily resurrection and because he was resurrected, because he got up, one day we're going to get up. Hallelujah. Amen goes right there. Thank God. If he got up, we get to get up. He was the first in order, as the verse says, and there's going to be a resurrection. But also, there's going to be a resurrection of the lost, too. They're going to have a bodily resurrection, too, that we're going to learn today. And they have a destination. In the next two weeks, I want to talk about the destination of those who will be resurrected, those who will be resurrected unto life, and those who will be resurrected unto damnation. And we know we talk about heaven and hell. And today we're going to talk about hell. Next week we'll discuss heaven and, and what's waiting on the believer and what's waiting on those who are saved and born again. And so with that being said, uh, just pay attention. Just focus today on the word. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20 and we'll begin in verse number 11. And by the way, you can also, you can also pick up the outlines at the church, we'll have them printed off for you. Uh, uh, so if, if that's it, like, just, just make sure whatever you do, you can stay focused. We're going to cover a lot of material today, okay? Revelation chapter number 20 in verse number 11. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead... Small and great. That doesn't mean in stature or size. It meant the poor as well as the rich, uh, the nobody as well as the premier, the president, the kings. Uh, all are in attendance here. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. 
This is the second death. Verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want to read verse 15 one more time. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I know this is a sobering, sobering message. And Lord, I desperately need your anointing. I desperately need your touch this morning. I pray for every ear that will hear. I pray for every mind that will comprehend what we are teaching today. I pray that you'll touch every heart. I pray that you'll convict those who are in desperate need of a Savior. I pray that you'll save them today. I pray for those who are born again, who are already saved, who have been uh, uh, passive, who have been lackadaisical in their witness. I pray for those who have have, have been, uh, Lord, lazy in their witness. I pray that they will be burdened to share the gospel with somebody before it's too late. I pray for your anointing, Lord. I desperately need it. I pray, Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. But, Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And, Lord, we'll praise you and thank you and give you all the praise and all the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, begin by reading just a few verses and, and, and talk about two things. There's a contrast I want to begin with. Uh, and, and help us all remember last week we said that there is going to be life after death. Life after death. There is going to be a resurrection. And when I say, when I use the word resurrection, I need you to understand what that means. That means the body is going to come back. We are going to have a physical body again. Job said it, though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. In other words, if my body disintegrates in the ground, One day, it's going to come all the way back together again. We're going to have a resurrected body once again. Now, but the the, the scriptures are clear that it's not just going to be the saved that's going to be resurrected. We're all going to be resurrected, but we're going to have two different destinations. So let let me begin there. Two resurrections we see in Daniel chapter 12, verse number two. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. John 5, 28, Jesus says, marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the which all, did y'all hear that? All that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. So we have Two resurrections, a resurrection unto life and a resurrection unto damnation. In other words, the saved are going to be resurrected. They're going to have a body again, once again, even after death, they're going to be resurrected and have a body again. But the Bible says that the, the, the lost, the unsaved, those who are died in their sins, they will have a body again also. They're going to be resurrected unto damnation. There's going to be two resurrections. But then we see there's going to be two judgments. Two judgments. Now, now let me say this about the resurrections. There's differing opinions of, 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 
of how many resurrections. In other words, you're going to have the resurrection of the church, the resurrection of the Old Testament saints, and, and then of the, the, those who died during the tribulation. That's not, that's not what I mean as far as the number. I mean there's going to be two types of resurrection. The saved will be resurrected and the lost will be resurrected. One that's resurrected unto life and the other resurrected unto damnation. So just to, just to clear that up, they're both going to be resurrected, but to two different purposes and destinations. There's two resurrections. The Bible speaks of two judgments. Two judgments. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The word means bema. It is a judgment of award where the saved will receive their rewards from Christ according to their works. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But then in Revelation 20, we see the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment of the lost. It says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose, earth the, or from whose face the earth and heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. This is the judgment of the lost. Brother Dustin, if you'll get me a tissue paper, please. Listen, two different judgments. The judgment of the saved and the judgment of the lost. The judgment of the saved will be the judgment seat of Christ, and this is where they will be awarded uh, for their works and their deeds that they have done for Christ. You say, are they going to be judged for their sins? No, they were judged. Their sins were judged on Calvary. Thank you, sir. Their sins were judged on Calvary. Jesus paid the penalty for those who are saved. He paid the penalty for their sins. Amen. But in the judgment, the great white throne judgment of the lost, they will pay for their own sins and they will be judged according to their works. So we find in scripture two resurrections. We find in scripture two judgments after they are resurrected. But then we find two eternal destinations. Two eternal destinations. What, are, what is the, the destination of the same? The Bible says in John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So what is the destination of the saved? We're going to be wherever Jesus is. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Watch this. To meet the Lord in the air. Say amen. To meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. What's our destination? Wherever the Lord is. Watch this now. Watch this. Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. In paradise. Jesus told the thief on the cross that he would be in paradise, a place called paradise. Let me show you 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one, watch this, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. 
the third heaven. Now, the first heaven, the first heaven is where the birds fly. It's the atmosphere that we breathe. It's where the clouds are. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is the stellar heaven. That is where the the stars and the moon and the sun out in space. That is the second heaven. But there is a third heaven beyond the stars and beyond the sun and beyond the moon and beyond the planets. There is a third heaven where God resides. And listen, he calls this, watch what he says. He says in verse number four, how that he was caught up into paradise, caught up into paradise. Now, what is he calling the third heaven? Paradise. Look what it says in Revelation 2, 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, what am I saying? The destination of the saved is the paradise of God. We call it heaven. Paul called it the third heaven. And so we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the Lord is in the paradise of God. He is in heaven. Are y'all with me? So the destination of those who are resurrected in Christ, those who are born again, is going to be heaven. Somebody say amen. Thank God we have the promise of heaven. But then... We see there's another eternal destination. There is the destination of those who are lost, those who have rejected Christ. And here we find in Revelation chapter 20, we find the eternal destination of the lost. Revelation, excuse me, 21, uh, 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 verse, let's see, chapter 20, verse number 15. 20, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is an eternal destination of the lost. Now, I want to spend some time today and help you understand about this place and give you information about this place. Most people say, and and you won't see or hear a lot of teaching on hell. It's uncomfortable. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to contemplate that there is a place of eternal torment and eternal suffering for those who leave this world without Christ. But do you realize that the Lord Jesus preached on it more than any character in the Bible? He preached on it twice as much as anybody else in the Bible. The Lord Jesus knew the reality of hell and he knew the reality of an eternal place of judgment and suffering. So it, I think it would, it would really behoove us to, to, to learn and understand this, to touch us, not just to convict the lost and show them that they need deliverance and salvation from this awful place, but it should burden us who are saved. It should convict us who are saved to make sure that we're doing everything we can to get the gospel to those who don't have it. In, in the gospels, we find the Lord Jesus teaching on this, on this subject of hell. Hell. He uses two words. He uses two words when he teaches on the subject of hell. He uses the word Hades and he uses the word Gehenna. He uses the word Hades and he uses the word Gehenna. Now it's translated in our Bible, hell, both of them, hell. One, we, we will learn, is referring to a temporal hell. And the other is an eternal hell. And I will explain what that means here. 
Now let's look at Hades. Hades is the temporary holding place of the lost until judgment. The temporary holding place of the lost till judgment. We see in Luke chapter 16, we find Jesus using this word when he is speaking about the rich man and Lazarus. This is what it says, Luke 16. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, and in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torment and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Preacher, what are you saying? The rich man went to the temporary holding place of the damned. Now, we find this word again. We find this word Hades again in Revelation chapter number 20. It says in verse 14, follow me. In verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. In other words, the temporary place that's holding all of the lost and all of the unsaved, they will be taken out of there, resurrected to be judged at the great white throne judgment. And then God is going to take the temporary holding place, Hades, and cast it into the lake of fire. Hades is the temporary holding place of the damned. Then we find the word Gehenna. Every other time that Jesus used the word, he used when he was referring to hell, he uses the word Gehenna. Now, if Hades is the temporal, the, the temporary holding place for those who are lost and not born again, then Gehenna is the eternal hell. So we have a temporal hell and eternal hell. All right? That is what's going to last forever. And this is the word most used by the Lord Jesus describing this place of eternal uh, torment and eternal suffering. He uses the word Gehenna. Now let me, let me read just a little bit of information to help you understand. There were many times that Jesus used an earthly illustration to describe and teach about a truth that he wanted them to get. And he uses the word Gehenna. And where, where do we get this word? The name Gehenna derives from the Old Testament Valley of Hinnom, located just south of Jerusalem. It was there that the apostate Jewish people sacrificed infants to Moloch, the abominable false god of the Ammonites. He, they would sacrifice their babies by burning them to death. An appalling practice that God strictly prohibited and strongly condemned. Both the wicked kings Ahaz and Manasseh sacrificed their children in the valley of Hinnom. And because of those sacrifices, the place became known as the Topeth, which derives from a Hebrew word meaning drum. Evidently, drums were beaten loudly to drown out the screams of the babies being burned alive. And as part of his reforms, the godly king Josiah destroyed that place of sacrifice and the valley of Hinnom was turned into Jerusalem's garbage dump where a fire, watch this, a fire burned continually in the midst of the rubbish and it is this that became the graphic illustration of eternal, that's the key word, eternal, never ending, never ceasing, an eternal hell. The fire's never ceased. The fires never ended. They continuously burned all the time. 
This is the illustration that God used to describe the place of eternal judgment. He uses this word Gehenna. It was in Gehenna that they would take their trash dump. It was in Gehenna where they would cast dead bodies and and those who uh, were criminals or those who were beggars that didn't have any family, they would cast them into this place. It was a putrefying place, a terrible, horrible place. And he uses this word to describe, to help man get some kind of understanding of what the eternal place of judgment would be. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, he said, If thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out, for it and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell or Gehenna, the eternal place, the eternal destination. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Listen, Matthew 10, 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but not are able to kill the soul, but rather fear him. This is an important point. This is an important point. Pay close attention. Rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body. Very important. Fear him who hath the ability to destroy both soul and body in hell. You say, why is that so important? Because those who are in Hades, it's only their soul. You see, the rich man's body was put in the ground, but his soul went to Hades. His soul went to the temporal place. But when it comes to the eternal place, Every lost person will be resurrected into their bodies again and their bodies will be cast into the eternal fire, the place of Gehenna, the place of eternal suffering in the temporal hell. They're only there in soul. They have their conscience. They can still feel. They can still experience pain. As the rich man said that he was tormented in the flame there in that temporal hell. But one day his body is going to be resurrected and put back together. And he's going to be judged for his sins and cast into the eternal hell. Body and soul. He says in Matthew 23, 33. Ye serpents. Ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Gehenna, there's a word again. The eternal judgment, the eternal place of suffering. Mark 9, 43. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than to have two hands to go into hell. Gehenna. Look, watch how he describes this eternal place. It's going to have a fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into halt life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If thy hand offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He is using this illustration over and over and over again. Just like the fire in the valley of Hinnom never went out, 
It was perpetual. It burned and burned and burned and burned. He is saying that the eternal the eternal destination of the lost, the eternal destination of the unbeliever and the damned will be forever and ever and ever and ever. It'll never go out. It'll never cease to exist. Luke 12 verse 5. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him that after he hath had power to kill or cast into hell. Or excuse me. After. Let me, let, me, let me go back. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. That's that word Gehenna again. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Fear him. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying when a man dies today, he goes to Hades. When an unbeliever, a man dies without Christ and he is unsaved, he goes to a temporary hell called Hades. It is hell. Make no mistake about it. It is a place of torment and suffering. But he is going to be one day resurrected and put back into his body. And he is going to stand before God one day at the great white throne judgment. And he is going to be condemned to spend eternity in the lake of fire, which is what Jesus is speaking about, Gehenna, the eternal place of suffering. And today, let me give you just a few things. Let me just give you just a few points about this place of eternal suffering. Number one, we see the preaching, the preaching of eternal hell, the preaching of eternal hell. There have been many speakers about the sermon. Many people have spoken about eternal hell. Moses spoke about it. Job spoke about it. David spoke about it. Solomon spoke about it. Isaiah spoke about it. Ezekiel, Amos, Jonah, Habakkuk all spoke about it. John Baptist spoke about it. Peter, James, and John, all three spoke about it. The Apostle Paul spoke about this eternal place of judgment. But the most important speaker is the Lord Jesus. He spoke about it more than all of them put together. He spoke about eternal hell and eternal judgment more than he spoke about heaven. Why would he do that? Because he knows the reality of hell. He knows the reality of this place of eternal judgment. And oh, if Jesus spoke about it, it's important. If Jesus spoke about it, it's critical. If Jesus spoke about it, we need to know. We need to know what he is saying. Jesus describes, Jesus describes in his sermons on hell. We see the speaker of the sermons and now we see the substance of the sermons. What did he say eternal hell would be like? Well, one of the descriptions he gave was darkness. Darkness. He called it the outer darkness. He called it the mist of darkness. He called it the blackness, the blackness of darkness. Oh, can you imagine a place where it's dark, dark, dark. It's so dark you can feel it. It's so dark. It's like a mist. It's like a fog all around you. Listen, the darkness, the darkness of hell. And he describes it as an unquenchable fire. A place where there's fire that will never go out. A fire that is never quenched. He describes this place of eternal judgment and eternal suffering as a place of darkness. A place of unquenchable fire. He describes it as a place of wrath. A place of wrath. And the word wrath means violent anger. 
violent anger. Look what the word says, Romans 2, verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself the wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that every lost person will experience the wrath of God in hell. They will experience the wrath, the violent anger of a holy righteous God will they experience in this place, this eternal hell. Then we see it's called not only a place of darkness, unquenchable fire, a place of wrath, but it's a place of torment. Torment. The word torment means extreme pain, anguish, utmost degree of misery. Your Webster's Dictionary describes it as an awful place, a place of anguish and extreme pain to the utmost degree of misery. Revelation 20 verse 10. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. Watch this. And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. We see the preaching and the teaching of this place, this eternal hell. But number two, we find the purpose of this eternal hell. Why would God create a place so awful? Why would God create a place of such magnitude, a place of such suffering, a place of such judgment and anguish? Well, the Bible says in Matthew twenty-five forty-one, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Watch this. Prepared for the devil and his angels. You get that? Did you, did you pay attention right there? Listen, this place was never made for man. This place was never designed for human beings. It was a place of suffering. It was a place of judgment. It was a place of punishment that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, who were the devil and his angels? He's referring to those who rebelled against a holy God, who rejected the authority and the leadership of a holy God. And because of their rebellion, because of their rejection, he has prepared a place of eternal punishment, an eternal place of judgment for them. But guess what? If you rebel against God and if you reject the love of God and the sacrifice of God and the payment of Calvary, if you reject God and turn your back on God, you will end up in the same place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was a prepared place for rebellion. It was a prepared place for rejection. And only those who rebel and only those who reject God will spend eternity there. You see, the purpose of hell was never for man. It was always for the devil and his angels. We see the purpose of this eternal hell. The preaching of this eternal hell. Number three, I want you to see the population of eternal hell. The population of eternal hell. Matthew seven thirteen. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Watch this. And many, 
And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate. And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Preacher, what are you saying? Oh, I believe that there's going to be more people go to heaven than hell. Well, that's not scriptural. That's not what the Bible says. I hear people saying on TV all the time, oh, there's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to heaven. You just pick which way works best for you. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's many ways to hell. The, what, the road to hell is wide. The road to hell is easy. But the way to heaven is straight and narrow. There is, you say, how narrow is it? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. There's no other way to heaven but by the Lord Jesus. You can't get to heaven by religion. You can't get to heaven by church attendance. You can't get to heaven by baptism. You can't get to heaven by giving your way there or by giving good deeds. The only way to heaven is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But oh, there's many ways to hell. And according to scripture, the Bible says that there's going to be many that fall off into hell and are cast into hell because they will reject the Lord Jesus Christ. The population of hell is many. The population of hell, the word is used many. Many there be which go in thereat. But then number four. <clears throat> number four, I want you to see the people. The people of eternal hell. We said the preaching the purpose, the population, now the people of eternal hell. What kind of people are going to be in hell? What kind of people are going to be in hell, preacher? Revelation 21, 8. It says, but the fearful, the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, this is an amazing thing. <clears throat> because it doesn't matter who you ask, everybody's going to heaven. It don't matter if they live like hell on this earth. When it comes time and, and you see that they have passed away and, and they, could, they could have passed away doing something very wicked. Yet you'll see people post on Facebook, fly high, fly with the angels. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. But I'm sorry to say that's just not reality. That's just not the truth. No matter how bad you want them to be there, no matter how bad you wish they were there, the Bible describes this place of hell as occupying some very wicked people. There's no doubt about it. When we read that verse, when we read that verse, you would describe, yep, they should be there. Yep, they should be there. And this person, if they committed this or they did this or they did that, they should all be there. Yep, that's a good list. But what about the first two? What about the first two in the list? Matter of fact, they were put in the front of the list. It says the fearful. They didn't kill anybody. They didn't steal from anybody. They didn't do all these things that were listed after that. They were just fearful. They were afraid to trust in God. They were afraid to put their faith in Christ. Maybe they sat in a church service over and over and they felt conviction and they knew they needed to make a choice for God. But they were afraid what their friends would think. They were afraid what their family would think. Do you realize if you die and go to hell without Christ, it doesn't matter if it was just because you was afraid. The reality is true. It says the unbeliever. You know, there's some good unbelievers. There's some unbelievers who don't believe in God, but they're good people. They're good moral people. They're good. You say, preacher, well, how in the world? How in the world? See, your good deeds are not good enough. 
Your good deeds will never get you into heaven. And if you die without God, if you you choose not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will go to hell just like the man who's committed unbelievable atrocities. You will spend your eternity in the lake of fire. So we see the people that are there. There's good people there. There's awful people there, obviously. There's wicked people, obviously. There's terrible people, obviously. But I'm afraid to say there's going to be good people who never place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They never realize that no matter how good they are, they're still sinners. They're still condemned. Jesus said this, For God so loved the world, this is in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned. But watch this. He that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned already. We came into this world condemned. We came into this world broken. We came into this world. We, David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. We, we, we are condemned creatures, whether you believe it or not. He that believeth not is condemned already. Listen, the people in hell. There's going to be bad people in hell, but unfortunately there's going to be good people in hell. Then number four, excuse me, number five. I want you to see the parts of eternal hell. The parts of eternal hell. So preacher, what are you saying? All, now listen, stay with me, stay with me. You, you, you can't go get popcorn now. You, you, you got to stay with me right here. All hell will not be the same. There are going to be degrees in hell. There's going to be parts in hell. Now let me explain. Revelation 21, 8. But the fearful and unbelieving... And the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now let me show you what Jesus said about this and how Jesus described the eternal judgment and the eternal punishment. Jesus said it this way. He, he, he uses an illustration of a servant who was disobedient to his master. He says, Luke 12, 47. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes, he said, shall be beaten with Few stripes. One will have many stripes. The other, few stripes. One's punishment will be more severe. The other punishment will be less severe. It says, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. In other words, those people who had many opportunities... Those people who had many privileges and opportunities to trust God and to be saved, they're going to have a much sore punishment than those who didn't. It says in Matthew 11, Jesus again, Jesus again is speaking in this way. He says, but I say unto you, I say unto you, 
It shall be more tolerable. You get that? It shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now, what is Jesus saying? He is speaking of Capernaum, where he did the most of his miracles and the most of his ministries. And and there were people there that even though they saw the miracles, even though they heard the teaching coming from the Son of God himself, they chose not to believe. And he is saying this, there's coming a day of judgment. There's coming, and he is referring to the great white throne judgment. And he is saying that God is going to pass judgment and God is going to pass sentence on all the unbelievers and dish out the punishment each one deserves. And he said, it's going to be an easier time or a more tolerable time for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for you. Can you imagine that? Now we know how wicked Sodom and Gomorrah was. We know how terrible Sodom and Gomorrah was. And you know what he's saying right here? Because you've had the incredible privilege and the incredible opportunity to have the gospel given to you from the very Son of God. You've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And if the miracles were done in Sodom, they would have repented. But you have chosen not to. And because of your opportunity, because of your privilege, when the sentences are passed down, when the judgment is given in the last day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for Capernaum. In other words, in other words, this is the the easiest way to explain this. Listen, the place, the part of eternal hell for the people in Capernaum that rejected Jesus will be more devastating, will be more painful, will be more difficult than the part in eternal hell for those in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what it says. Listen, let me keep reading. Romans chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Romans chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Watch what it says. It says, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up. In other words, you're gathering up. You're building up. You're, you're storing up. Treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. Preacher, what is that saying? These people who were unrepentant, these people who had opportunity, he said because of their wickedness every day, because of their disobedience every day, every day their sin, every day their rebellion, every day their rejection is storing up more and more and more wrath to be dished out at the day of judgment at the great white throne judgment. In other words, everything, everything's going to be paid for. Most people say, well, why, why even have a judgment? If at the great white throne judgment, everybody's guilty. Everyone that will stand before God at the great white throne judgment is guilty. So why even judge? Because he is a righteous judge. He is a just judge. 
He is a pure and holy and everything he does is right. Every bit of punishment in eternal hell, every degree, every part that's there, whoever is in that specific part will get exactly what's coming to him. Is is there going to be more wicked people than others in hell? Absolutely. Is their punishment going to be worse than others? Absolutely. Without question, everyone will get what they justly deserve. Look what it says. Look what it says. How do you know one's going to have worse punishment? Look what it says in Hebrews 10, 26. It says, for if we sin willfully, this is in reference to rejecting Christ. After you have received truth, after you've received the the gospel. If we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain looking or fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despises Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Now watch this. Here's the term. Of how much sore punishment... Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the spirit of grace. Preacher, what are you saying? There's going to be some with more sore punishment than others. It doesn't matter. It's all going to be hell. It's all going to be awful. It's all going to be torment. It's all going to be suffering it's all going to be terrible but it's going to be more terrible for some than others there will be degrees in hell there will be just punishment there will be people who have built up continuously every day building up the wrath of God that God will unleash on them God will give every single man exactly what's coming to him in eternal hell Now, so far, everything's been terrible. Everything's been awful. Preacher, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Let me give you the last one and we'll pray. We talked about the prescription of hell. Excuse me. The preaching of hell. Eternal hell. We've been talking about this whole time, Gehenna, the final destination. Not the temporal hell, Hades. But the final destination after the lost have resurrected in their bodies and stand before God and judge they're cast into eternal hell. We saw the preaching of eternal hell, the purpose of eternal hell, the population of eternal hell, the people of eternal hell, the parts in eternal hell. But lastly, let me give you the prescription for eternal hell. I'm glad there's an answer. I'm glad there's something we can do about this. It says in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, watch this, we shall be saved. From the wrath through him. Romans 10, 9. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, preacher, <clears throat> you, you, you religious people, you, you, you Christian people, you use this word all the time, saved. Thou shalt be saved. Uh, saved. Saved from what? Saved from everything I've said in this last hour. Saved from the lake of fire. Saved from Gehenna, the eternal hell, the eternal destination of the lost. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, hell wasn't made for you. Hell was never prepared for you. It was prepared for the wicked devil and his wicked angels who rebelled against God. But because of our rebellion and our rejection, that is the destination of the unbeliever. But you see, Jesus didn't want that to happen. He came. He lived his life on this earth. He was crucified on a cross. He died and gave his life in your place. He gave his life so you didn't have to give yours. He took your punishment so you didn't have to. He took your place so you didn't have to. He died. He shed his blood so your sins could be forgiven. And I want to ask you right now, if you're here and under the sound of my voice, if you're listening, if you're watching, I'm praying right now that you're believing what I'm saying. There is a God in heaven who loves you more than your ability to understand how much he loves you. And he loved you so much that he sent his only son, his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die and suffer and, listen, experience the cruelty of the cross So you didn't have to experience the the cruelty of eternal hell. And he gave his life so you could be forgiven. And he said if you would believe, if you would believe that he came, that he died and he rose again, if you will turn to him, repent of your sin and, and receive him as your Lord and submit and listen, turn your life over to him, he will save you today. If you're here today, And you're ready to do that. Oh, I pray you will. I pray you will. I pray that you will believe what I'm telling you. You know right now the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart. He's telling you I'm telling the truth. And I pray that you will receive him today. Preacher, how do I do that? Listen, if you'll pray to Jesus. Now, I'll help you. I'll help you. But it's, it's on what you're saying in your heart. If you'll pray to Jesus right now. And ask him to forgive you. He'll save you right where you don't have to be in a church service. You don't have to be in a church building. It doesn't matter where you are. He'll save you right where you're at. If you're ready to pray, I want you to, I want you to pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes in my life. I have failed in my life. I know I'm a sinner. The best I know how I'm asking you now to forgive me and to save me. I'm asking you now to forgive me and to save me. Come into my life. I surrender my life to you. 
I surrender my life to you as Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin and save me. Forgive me of my sin and save me. In Jesus' name I pray.